Good morning again. Welcome to week number three of an eight-week sermon series entitled Soul Shepherd, an expedition through the 23rd Psalm. Before we begin our third installment of this new series, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads wherever you are? Dear God, great is your name and worthy to be praised, not only now, but for all of eternity. When millions upon millions of years have passed and the redeemed of the Lord have been with you in eternity. Your word tells us that our hearts will never grow tired of singing the praises of your name. We will join together with the heavenly hosts and praise the name of our great redeemer. Jesus, the Savior of mankind. For He's worthy. And always will He be worthy. And so, Father, grant us hearts that are inclined to make this service not about us, but about His greatness, His glory, His wonder, His majesty. Prepare us for His coming. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been hard at work examining the different facets or expressions of the soul shepherd for two weeks now. We've been like digging. Think about an archaeologist who goes on a dig and digs to find new artifacts that, are, that help us to, uh, to learn more, to increase our sense of wonder of history. Well, we've been doing that in the 23rd Psalm, like an excavator digging for beautiful artifacts To show us a greater glimpse of our soul shepherd. And so, here's what we've excavated so far. In week number one, we began our expedition by examining the soul satisfying shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He satisfies us. Then last Sunday, we moved on to the second verse of the 23rd Psalm. Which brought us face to face with the soul soothing shepherd. Today, we'll look at the very first statement of verse number three. And there, we're going to meet the third expression of the soul shepherd, the soul restoring shepherd. The main point or the big idea, as we call it here at Island Baptist Church, the big idea that God wants you to know, I've stated the last two weeks in the form of a question. Do you know the soul shepherd? And does he know you? So more specifically to today's message, do you know the soul restoring shepherd? And does he know you? Let's look at the very first statement of verse number three of the 23rd Psalm. And I think you'll understand why that's the main point of this message. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now we've covered that much already in the previous two weeks. Here's our portion for today. He restores my soul. The green pastures and still waters that we looked at last week are an invitation from the shepherd to rest and refreshment. That's what it is. But there's a major difference between refreshment and restoration. A major difference. Restoration is a matter of life and death 
for a sheep. It's very interesting to me that one translation renders verse 3, the very beginning part of it, like this. He hath converted my soul. In the Hebrew, it's the word shub, and it means to bring back, to restore, to make new. So soul restoration, according to the psalmist and according to what the soul shepherd himself would eventually teach, has two components to it. Or for this sermon, I want you to think of them like stages, because that's the way the New Testament describes the process of having a soul restored. Stage number one, I've put it on your screen for you is the conversion of a soul that is out of commission, like dead, to a newborn condition. And then stage number two is the ongoing renovations to preserve the soul that way. Think of it like the process of restoring a car. Now, those of you who know me know, I don't know anything about restoring a car. But for some reason, that parallel kept coming to mind as I was preparing for this sermon this week. And so I went online and I read an article written by an expert who restores cars for a living. And the article was written to compare the difference between refurbishing a car and restoring a car. Now listen very closely to me. Refurbishing a car is when you would do general maintenance to to keep the car looking fresh, like repairing interior tears to the leather or the cloth material. It would be like giving the car a tune-up or repairing parts that have rusted or or gone, gone old. The goal of refurbishing a car is to keep it like new as best you can. But to restore a car, well, according to the experts in that field, it means to strip a car down to nothing and to build it back up into something completely new, like a rebirth for the car. It is a car that is out of commission and dead, not running, and is restored to a new birth for the car. That's what the article said. Those two aspects of refurbishing, keeping a soul maintained, and bringing a soul back to life, giving it a new birth, are the two stages or aspects of soul restoration that the New Testament describes happens to every single Christian that has ever been born again. We're going to look at both of those stages, but listen close. There's an order to them. There is a stage one that must happen, and then a second stage. Here I put on the screen for you what stage one is. Stage one of soul restoration is this. He restores a dead soul, one that's out of commission, can't do what it was designed to do, to new birth. That's stage one. Let me give you a little snapshot of where we're going with this first stage. In order to become a sheep of the Lord's and to enter into his pasture and be called one of his own, You must be stripped of everything and be made totally new. You can come to the gate of his pasture 
exactly as you are. Filthy, dirty. You don't have to clean up anything. You come in your broken down, messed up condition, which is the way every true sheep comes, full of sin, dead to God, and then He makes you a new sheep. You must be born again into a sheep and have your soul restored as stage number one before stage number two can happen. Stage number two, he then refurbishes the downcast soul with living hope. So, in order to be let into his pasture and to be called one of his sheep, you need to be turned into one by him. You need to become a whole new creature. That's the first stage of soul restoration. But then into the second stage, this second stage happens throughout the lifetime of the believer. It begins at that conversion and then continues. This process of soul restoration begins. When you first enter into his pasture, you have gone from a once dead soul lost eternally because there was no hope for you. There was no hope of any help for you because you loved your sin and lived a life of sin. And now you've entered into this new stage of soul restoration. And once that happens, there's a process of shedding off that old way of thinking and feeling. And hope in the life of the believer, rises and falls. It's not a consistent way up, but it's like this. And so there are occasions, there are occasions where every sheep falls down and they need to have their souls restored so that they don't stay in that downcast state. The second stage of soul restoration is the process of having your soul continually, listen to this word, preserved throughout the lifetime of a sheep. We're going to look at both of those stages from not only the psalmist's point of view, but from the soul shepherd's point of view. Let's take some time now to examine both of these stages of soul restoration so that you can know for sure. Beginning with stage number one, The soul shepherd restores the soul to new birth. Let me take you to the most important verse in the Bible that explains what happens to a soul when it's restored by the soul shepherd. It was taught to the Apostle Paul by Jesus himself, and the Apostle Paul wrote it down so that all believers everywhere would understand. Here's what he wrote. Therefore, if anyone is In Christ, two critical words. They mean inside the shepherd's fold, one of his sheep, one with the shepherd. Keep reading. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It would not be an exaggerated overstatement to say that the whole point of the New Testament is to explain how Jesus, the soul shepherd, makes a dead soul have new birth. How does he do it? Well, the word that the New Testament authors use 
is the English word regeneration. But the Greek word for this process of new birth in a person's soul is made up of two compound words. I've put it on your screen. It's the word palingenesis. What word do you see as the second part of this compound word? I split it up there. Genesis. The word is made up of these two stems. Pala, which means again or new. And Genesis, which means birth. So a regenerated soul is one that has been cleansed of the sinful desires that keep the soul dead and has now been planted with new desires that are starting slowly to sprout up for righteousness and, more specifically, the shepherd that cleansed them. There's this desire suddenly for him. That's what happens when someone is regenerated. According to Jesus, unless someone experiences this palingenesis, unless this happens to a person, well, he or she cannot be one of his sheep and will remain outside the gate of his pasture for all of eternity. That's what he says. When Jesus sat with Nicodemus, one of the teachers, the religious teachers of the day, and told that man, you must be born again. Now here's a guy who spent all of his life trying really hard to be good. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You must have this palingenesis thing happen to you. You must be born again with a whole new soul. Otherwise, you can't be one of my sheep. You cannot come into my eternal paradise pasture just like the restoration of a car for a human soul to be fit for heaven it must be stripped down entirely the soul must be made to nothing and then rebuilt all over again by the master restorer and only he can do it you must be born again soul conversion is not something that anyone can do on their own. It can only occur by becoming one with Jesus, the soul converter, the soul restorer. I've heard countless numbers of people describe liberating things that have happened to them as a born-again experience. Like you might have heard this too. People who've given up bad habits, people who've come out of a drug or alcohol rehab program, people who've come out of prison, people who've gotten out of a bad marriage. Many times they describe those newfound feelings of uh, liberation and a fresh start as being born again. Listen very closely. This is not soul conversion. This is not a restored soul. These are simply manifestations of the image of God on the human soul with the innate craving for a righteous life. But listen, no soul can be converted even if that person gives up all their bad habits. You just can't. Listen to very closely to how the Apostle Paul says a soul is converted or restored to a new condition. Listen closely. 
He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness or not even if we give up all our bad habits and become a quote-unquote good person. But according to His own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration. There's the word palingenesis. And renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words... The shepherd sees a sheep lying dead on its back. And he, by his mercy, regenerates the soul of that sheep, of that person, and they come to new life. Not because of anything they did. He does it all. When Jesus was lying dead in the tomb, it was the Spirit of God that rose him from the dead. And that is the same power by which all dead souls, all dead human souls, are able to be restored to a new birth, a new life. Palingenesis, regeneration of a human soul, can not happen apart from the power of the washing or renewal Of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit alone has to come into a person that is dead on the inside, according to God, and the Spirit makes that person alive. When this regeneration or soul restoration happened to one sheep named Peter, he couldn't shut up about it. Peter wanted to tell everyone that he had become this newly born person with all new desires. And his whole life changed. On one occasion, Peter was telling a huge crowd what had happened to him. And 3,000 souls were regenerated, restored, turned into a whole new thing, a whole new creature. Listen to what happened. Acts 2.38. This is the historical record of that event. After Peter's done preaching, this is what he says. Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive. The gift. Of the Holy Spirit. To be converted. And restored. To a new creature. Have this new birth. This palingenesis happen to you. You must have. The very spirit. Of the soul shepherd himself, the one who can restore your soul, come to live inside of you. He must make your your vessel his residence. And when that happens, a person becomes a new soul, born all over again. Peter was not telling these this Jewish audience anything they didn't already know. They just ignored what they'd already been told from one of their own prophets. The prophet Ezekiel described exactly how a soul would be regenerated, made new, restored to the condition that God intended for it to be. Listen to what the prophet Ezekiel said. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh doesn't this sound like the restoration of a car stripping it down and making it brand new 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ezekiel is describing polygenesis, the new birth. God has been telling his people that this is stage one to having a human soul restored, regenerated, to become a new creature since the beginning he's been telling people this. Hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, God was telling his people this. Do you know the soul restorer? Does he know you? Has he restored your soul to a new state? Have you seen the evidence that he has taken your once dead heart, made it alive with new desires, namely a desire for him? Has he restored your soul? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That means his soul will be converted and restored to a new eternal state fit for his paradise pasture. And then he concludes, and you will go on in and out and find pasture. This is the first stage of soul restoration that every human being must undergo. After this, refurbishing the soul begins. It's a second stage of a lifelong process of soul restoration. Let's look at the second stage now. The soul shepherd refurbishes the downcast soul. And how does he do it? With living hope. There's a term that's still used by shepherds today all over the world. But the term was first used in the time of David to describe the condition of a sheep that has fallen over and cannot get back up on its own without help. The term is called a cast sheep or a downcast sheep. Now, I thought about explaining this condition to you on my own, but I figured you'd probably rather hear from a real-life shepherd rather than someone who has never cared for a pasture of real sheep ever a day in his life. And so, I'd like you to direct your attention to your screen. I want to show you a two-minute-long video of a real shepherd describing this condition of a cast sheep. Take a look on your screen. Hello, I'm Andy Nicholas. I'm a sheepdog trainer in England. I'd like to tell you how you might be able to do a sheep a big favour and save its life. If you're a person who likes to go out walking in the countryside, it's a good idea to keep your eyes open for any sheep that might have got on their backs. Unlike many other animals, sheep don't roll onto their backs for a good scratch or even for fun, and they certainly don't sleep on their backs. This sheep is in a desperate position. If it can't get back onto its feet very soon, it'll die. Sheep are particularly prone to getting cast, as it's called, in the run-up to lambing time. That's during the spring. With the extra weight of their lambs inside them, the pregnant mums are very top-heavy. And if they roll over, that extra weight makes it extremely difficult for them to get back up again. If you see a sheep in this position, 
it's very easy to save its life. Simply walk quietly and steadily up to it and roll it over. Once it's the right way up again, the sheep will probably run back to the flock. But as you can see, this sheep's still quite wobbly. She was probably on her back for some time and is finding it hard to balance again. If this is the case, it's worth pausing to make sure it doesn't fall over again. When I helped her up, this ewe panicked so much she nearly toppled over again in a haste to get away from me. This is because she was already in shock. She knew she was in terrible danger of dying on her back. Sometimes, if you see a sheep in this position, as you approach it, the sheep might make a supreme effort and struggle back onto its feet by itself. If it does, rest assured you've still saved its life by giving it that extra incentive to get up. Did you happen to catch what the shepherd said? He said that when the ewe went into that cast position, she went into shock because she knew she was in danger of dying there unless someone came to her rescue. He also said that a cast down sheep is in a desperate situation because unless someone comes to restore that sheep back to its standing position, gases begin to build up in the sheep's abdomen and that sheep is as good as dead. It will die within a matter of hours, according to experts. When a sheep falls into this cast position, it will struggle for a bit, as you saw in that video. The sheep will struggle. But sooner or later, the sheep will stop struggling because it will start to lose hope. What a perfect illustration of the Christian who's gone through stage one, whose soul has truly been restored and they're born again, but slowly, when they stay into a downcast season, which every true sheep eventually goes through, a short season of being downcast, if they stay in that position too long, they will start to lose hope. And a hopeless feeling will start to take over their heart and hopeless thoughts start to take over their mind. Listen closely how the author of this 23rd Psalm, who says, the Lord is my shepherd, he has restored my soul. Listen closely to what he says in the 42nd Psalm, parts of which we've already referenced in the past two weeks. But now I want you to hear the whole cry of this sheep who is desperate for his shepherd to begin to refurbish his soul and rejuvenate his spirit. Listen to the cry of a sheep in Psalm 42 who is desperate for God to give him hope. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, 
O my soul, and why so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. These are the cries of a soul that has been downcast A pitiful sight of a sheep laying on its back, helpless, crying out, Someone help me! Someone rescue me! Because I can't do anything about my condition unless someone comes to my rescue and restores my soul. This is the second stage of a sheep, David, who's writing this, who needs to have his soul refurbished once again. Brought to a state of being like new. Once again. And what is the remedy? Did you pick it up in there? Hope. What's the remedy for a person who starts to feel hopelessness creep into their heart and mind? Someone who's been in that downcast position for too long? Well, one particular sheep, Peter, I want to go back to him again. One particular sheep wrote about this using a phrase that no other apostle used but the apostle Peter. I want you to see for yourself what Peter said. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, picture yourself like that pitiful sheep laying on its back. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. There's stage one, this converted soul. But what is it that keeps the sheep from going back onto its back again and staying there permanently? What keeps the newly restored soul, the born-again person, from slipping into a state of despair and getting lost there? What is it? What is it that keeps the sheep preserved and will make sure that it's able to get back up onto its feet again? Well, look at what Peter says. This newly restored soul now has in its possession. Take a look on your screen at how he continues. He says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Peter's the only one who uses that phrase. That's exactly what David was crying out for. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now follow me close here, Christian. A soul without any hope of help at the end of its days. A soul that wakes each morning without any assurance of what will happen at the end 
very end, when it goes into that cast position for the final time, that soul has no other option but to live out every single day in a perpetual state of depression. Think about it. What other option would there be but to live in a state of perpetual hopelessness for the soul that does not have hope of help in the end? But Peter tells us that because his soul has been converted and restored by the soul shepherd, he is now in possession of what Peter calls a living hope. What exactly is that? What is a living hope? Well, what does it mean for something to be alive? When something is alive, it is animated by God to do what God designed it to do. It is at work doing what God designed it to do. A bee is alive, and it is at work doing what God designed the bee to do. Same with a flower, same with a tree, same with grass, same with a human being. Well, this living hope is a living entity, a spirit with a capital S that has come to indwell every truly born-again person. Now listen very closely to the words I'm about to use. This living hope now resides in your soul is a spirit, an outside living spirit that is not your own. It is a living entity that has come to possess you in the truest sense of that word. You are possessed by this living spirit, capital S, that enables you to have hope That is not your own. It is the same living spirit that possessed the son of God in the garden of Gethsemane when his spirit was brought to anguish. And this living hope inside of him, a capital S spirit, brought the son of God to a place where he was able to go to the cross and endure that torture Through to the end. It is that spirit living within him. That reminded him of the glory that awaited him. When he endured the torture of the cross. It is that same exact spirit. That will raise your cast down soul. Back up again. The same spirit that works in the converted soul. To generate confidence in God doesn't come from the vessel. It doesn't come from you. It comes from the spirit that is in you to possess you, to give you hope. That's precisely what the Apostle Paul says, that God desires for every truly born-again person. Listen to this benediction that Paul gives to all truly born-again people. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in, say the word at home, hope. So here's my own personal definition of what a living hope is based on what I understand in the scriptures. I've put it on your screen in case you want to jot it down in your Bible. A living hope is the spirit of the living shepherd at work inside the soul of a downcast sheep. To eternally preserve 
that soul. Let's conclude where we began. Do you know the soul shepherd? Do you know the soul restoring shepherd? As we've gone through these two stages, have you said, yes, I've experienced that. That's happening to me. Has the soul shepherd restored your soul? And do you see that the desires of your heart are beginning to change? And since then, have you seen that the soul shepherd continues to refurbish your soul? When you go down, as we all fall down into that pitiful cast position, when you go down, is it the soul shepherd whose own words bring you back up to your feet? When you know you can't get back up on your own ever again, is it he who restores you and preserves you? Is it he who you know is keeping you, preserving your soul? And do you have confidence that he will preserve your soul to the very end? If you do, then you should be confident and say to yourself, yes, I know him and he knows me because exactly what he said would happen is happening to me. Not all at once, but it has been happening slowly over my life. Do you know him? And does he know you? If not, I want to conclude with the words of the soul shepherd himself. Jesus said, all that the father gives me will come to me. All will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Soul restoration begins with stage one. By coming to the gate of the pasture. Imagine, picture yourself coming to the gate of the pasture. Looking in and seeing the soul shepherd at a distance. And asking to be let in. He says, the one who comes to me and asks... I will never cast away or I will never cast out. Has that happened to you? Remember, coming to the soul shepherd and asking to become one of his own begins by having everything stripped from you. He will strip away all of your life and rebuild it from the ground up as only the master restorer can. Has that ever happened to you? If not, I want to give you an opportunity to begin that new relationship with the soul restorer. But perhaps you're in stage two and you've had your soul restored. But perhaps over these past few months of quarantine and isolation, your soul has gone into a cast position. If that's you and you're struggling to get back up onto your feet, what you need is living hope. What you need is to walk in the Spirit. What you need is to believe that he will preserve your soul to the very, very end. Sometimes when a sheep gets cast down, it is because they have stopped believing. Do you believe that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it? Will be faithful to carry your soul through to the end? If so, believe it. Get back up, begin to sing the praises of the soul shepherd, empowered by the spirit of living hope. Study his word, focus on what he says rather than what you think you know. Your experiences lie to you. Let him tell you what is true about you and believe it. Whatever stage you're in, 
I want to pray for you now. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. The only one who can truly restore a human soul. The only one who can bring a dead, useless soul back to life and give it a new purpose with new meaning and new hope. Only he can do it. So I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice, if they would say, I've never been born again. I've never had palingenesis happen to me. I pray, dear God, that they would call out to you, cry out as David did. Oh, shepherd of my soul, restore me. Give me this new birth I wanted. I beg you for it. And he will do it. If there's anybody at home who's been in a depressed, a downcast state, and they know that they can't get back up on their own, I pray that the Spirit of God would bring them back up by the living hope that only he can give. And I ask this in Jesus' name with great confidence because the word tells me so. Amen and amen. And now, wherever you are, I invite you to allow the Spirit of God to lift up your soul and sing to the Son of God. Let's all stand together.